calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. everybody and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode of the mandalorian here from the geek buddies we're excited to jump into this season three finale well 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 we've come to the end of season three and let me just say right off the bat I was effing wrong. So there's a lot we're going to jump into here going on with the Mandalorian. With music, the Mandalorian. To yeah. music to my ears. <laughs> with the armor, with axe, with Bo-Katan, with the Darksaber, with Moff Gideon, 
with Din and Grogu with IG-11. So much to talk about and break down here on this episode. We appreciate you joining us, but let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, no steer on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and I'm currently coming to you from my parents' den in St. Augustine. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer, where you can see some of our current work on Netflix right now, with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Seasons 1 and 2. Um, and also, Johnny, yeah. none of us were right. Yeah. None of us were right. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's insane how we all had theories. We yeah. <laughs> hey, Michael, don't even try to claim that you were right because you were oh, you were on the fence. You were waffling on the armor. Don't lie. Don't yeah, lie. But I wasn't fully wrong. That's true. Because that's what happens when you sit on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, you know, keep the pointy edge uh, of the fence away from certain areas. But yes, that is what happens. When you sit on the fence. So uh, let's jump into it. You know, we love to do this right off the bat. And that's to talk about the overall feelings. Michael, your overall thoughts on this episode, this season finale, um, considering what we got last episode, which was a, as the kids say, a banger of an episode. What did you think about this season finale here of The Mandalorian? I thought it was great. I thought uh, I was very happy with it. It felt very Star Wars to me. Um, you know, in a in a season that was uneven, at parts for a lot of people, I think they ended strong and they ended really focused on Mando and Grogu. So I mm -hmm. think that, you know, you wrapped up a lot of great stuff. You had some great, everyone had a great moment in this episode. Uh, it was really straightforward. It was basically all action. Um, but then at the end, you really felt like you got back on track with the Mando Grogu story as well. So I was happy all around. I didn't even mind the fact that they didn't, you know, when they said the return, I was like, okay, maybe it's the return of the Mandalorians, but yeah. is Thrawn showing up at the end of this? Like what's happening? I didn't even mind that there was no Ahsoka, no Thrawn, no post credits. Like I was really happy. It ended really sweet and uh, I was satisfied. Okay. All right. Shannon McClung, your thoughts on chapter 24, the return here of the Mandalorian. I mean, for this episode, I, I thought it, I thought it was a lot of fun. I was like, the action was fantastic. Like you, you can tell that they got a bit of a budget bump in terms of effects. Like mm -hmm. never, like not that the effects were not good in seasons one or season two, but just watching how they were able to kind of populate the world. Mm -hmm. um, really exciting battle between our our kind of flying stormtroopers and the Mandalorians. That was all great. I do think narratively. It was a little lean, not a whole lot of meat on the bone, but it seems like if the stories that we've heard that that originally Grogu wasn't going to be in it, um, this does seem like kind of a transitional season yeah. to get to the next phase of what this is going to be, which is then training his son, Grogu. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I liked this as a Star Wars season finale for The Mandalorian. I really did. I, I know last episode there was a lot of intrigue. Okay, is it going to be Axe? Is it going to be the armor? But, but you know, the what the fact that they didn't turn, they weren't spies, they didn't betray Bogotan or betray the other Mandalorians actually gave me some unexpectedly positive feelings about the situation. That, and, and I think there's a strong message that you get out of this episode that people from different walks of life, different points of views can come together to destroy someone who wants to only have their authoritarian point of view uh, be the law of the land 
and even more so wanted to create clones that look exactly like him to carry things out using the force. So just seeing that, that the idea of people coming together to destroy tyranny is actually a positive message and has been what the core of Star Wars has been about since, the, since A New Hope. So I like that they kind of borrowed from stuff here to bring it back to make it feel like the end of a Star Wars episode and or Star Wars show rather and earn the Looney Tunes slow uh, circle there before they close, which I thought was really badass to be honest. I loved it. (laughs) It was really, but I do think, I mean, I think Shannon brings up a really good point. And I mean, you know, obviously we'll talk about this episode, but I think when you take the sum total of all the rumors about, you know, Favreau not wanting to put, that Mandalorian story and Grogu in Book of Boba Fett, and that this was supposed to be the season where at the beginning Grogu and Mandu were gonna were gonna Mando were gonna be split up, and that Grogu yeah. was gonna be training, and that there was a lot of other stuff going on. It's sort of like you can imagine a version of this season that started with that episode that mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard directed at the in in Mando, yeah, and where you had Mando kind of doing his stuff with Bo Katan and the armor and bringing the Mandalorians together. And then Grogu left Luke and came in at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see a season that maybe didn't feel as uneven as it did because yeah. it wasn't ultimately the season that they had planned. So, you know, I do think that lends some credence to those rumors that you're like, okay, I kind of see what you probably wanted to do. Right. And for whatever reasons, depending on the rumors that you hear were, uh, you didn't do that. And I think that definitely did, you know, I think we said it a thousand times, putting those episodes in Book of Boba Fett, I think really hurt them in the long run for this season. But I do think that when you take this last episode, the last week's episode and this episode together, I think they really stuck the landing. Yeah, fair point. This is the shortest of the three season finales that we've had for The Mandalorian. And this is the third shortest episode of season three. So that's really interesting to have that be your finale uh, for sure. And another part of this is, and, and Michael, this is, and Shannon, this is something interesting as well. You know, a lot of people have been out here speculating about the possibility that there were other um, vibes, other scenes that were shot that would have led us to a different conclusion. So it might've been that they were kind of figuring out what they wanted this sh- season to be and by the end, they used certain scenes that they had shot to make this finale and go this direction rather than another direction. So the fact that some of us thought maybe we were leaning towards a, an armor betrayal or an axe betrayal or what have you, or, or the night owls, um, maybe is not out of the realm of possibility because a number of articles have popped up over the last couple of days talking about, because I mean, listen, one of the Mandalorian actors said people are going to be destroyed by the end of the finale. Why would they say that? If they hadn't seen anything or maybe shot a scene. Maybe that Mandalorian actor just really liked Moff Gideon. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's that's what you do. Defend the villain. So I'm going to there's a possibility here. Or the people that they're referring to, people are going to be destroyed by the finale. Um, Maybe, again, they're talking about Moff Gideon because he looked like he's pretty destroyed Uh, by the end of it. Unless that was a clone I know there's been that's been thrown out as well, but let's break this thing down. Uh, you doing storylines. Let's start, as Michael mentioned, with the uh, Din and Grogu stuff, how we get 
this um, great button at the end of this f- season finale of, uh, you know, Grogu, uh, Din rather sitting out there on the prairie in his single family home, hanging out with his son out in the front yard, playing with frogs. But before that, we have these really great moments between them. Certainly right at the beginning there, Mando kind of breaking out of his shackles and really great to see the point of view from inside the helmet, which we rarely get in the Mandalorian of Din Djarin. So seeing what the situation turns into a, a version of John Wick or Daredevil, whatever you want to say, kicks ass with those two uh, troopers there. And then IG-12 shows up to save him at the last minute using the back to spray. And then he has the conversation with Grogu and it says to him, listen, we're going to have to do some shit. And I need to know that you're in this with me because we're going to have to take Gideon out. Talking to his son and, and his, his pseudo son, in essence, and saying, we're going to have to take this guy out. Are you ready? And then seeing their relationship as they go and fight through this whole thing, bring R5 into the equation. Mando fights through those, what looked like a video game, picking up weapons at every level as he kicks <laughs> these troopers' asses. And then ends up having this confrontation with uh, Moff Gideon, which, to be honest, he loses that confrontation one-on-one here. And Grogu comes in. The Praetorian guards come in. We see Mando's reaction when Grogu is taken into that room and the door closes with the Praetorian guards. The frustration of a father watching his pseudo-son possibly being killed right in front of him, fighting through that, helping Grogu out of that situation, along with the help uh, eventually from Bo-Katan, fighting Gideon one more time, and then... Uh, getting uh, getting out of the situation, coming together with the Mandalorians, taking back Mandalore, having that beautiful scene by the living waters, and saying, "I want to raise, I want to officially become the adopted father of Grogu," and then ending up, as I said, on that ranch thanks to Grief Karga out there uh, on Navarro. So, Michael, your thoughts on what we got here with the Din and Grogu storyline in this particular episode and how it wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm the one who said earlier in the season I felt like Din and Grogu got lost a little, and I thought they just nailed all of it with this. Like, we laughed so hard when Grogu got in that IG-12 and was like, yes, yes, yesing, and no, no, knowing. But when he showed up and grabbed that guard and was like, no, 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 I was like, that's my boy. That's my boy. I also love that he was just spraying that back to spray on the helmet, which does absolutely nothing. Yeah, right. Like he's he's like I've seen this back to spray get used before. I think Dad needs it, but I don't know how. I don't really know what it does. It was just very very cute. Um, also speaking of cute, God, I love me some R five. I think R five has really grown on me. Um, I know R five has his epic backstory of being on Tatooine and fighting in the rebellion and then ending up back on Tatooine at the beginning right. of New Hope. But he's really uh, he's really stepped up this time and uh, was giving me some good R two D two vibes. Like he really helped out. I also yeah. think it's really cute when Mando calls him buddy. And he's like, "Hey buddy, hey buddy, I need you to go. Uh, I need you to go get me some plans. I need you yeah. to show me. I need you to show me the map so I can get to the boss in this boss level." Um, but yeah, like all the action was great. Getting in with Moff Gideon. I think it's important that Mando basically loses because Mando basically mm. loses. And then Bo-Katan also basically loses, yeah, which yeah. which which should not work. Like you actually should be like, this kind of sucks. I want my hero to step up to the thing. But because of what Bo-Katan says, and we'll talk about it in her storyline, I think yeah. it all really lands really, really well. Like you were saying, John. Um, yeah, Grogu versus Praetorian Guards, Mando oh. versus Moff Gideon. Um, also, super creepy Moff Gideon clones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did not like. Yeah, did not subscribe to those. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, 
they've really held Grogu's force use uh, in reserve. They don't, they don't, yeah. they don't have him running around going full Yoda. Um, but I think in this episode, both when he was with the Praetorian guards by himself, but then when he and Mando were both going up against them, like it was actually really great. Like watching how they worked really well. Like, you know, Mando's doing his thing. Grogu throws one to the side. Mando's doing his thing. Grogu throws the other one. And then like the guy comes down with the, with the giant blade and Grogu like force holds it. Like, it really, you did get this sense that the two of them were working really, really mm. well as a team, which I thought was great. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about the big Bo-Katan, Mando, Grogu team yeah. up when we get to that story. But I thought everything, once we got done with the battle, super hit me hard, like super hit me in all the feels, like them at the Living Waters. I uh, thought it was really nice that you started with Paz Vizsla's kid. Yes, Ragnar. Since he didn't yeah. get to finish his Living Waters moment last time because of right. the crocodile turtle and also that his dad was gone but to have this one kid who his father is gone and to then have this whole moment with mando and grogu it was great and it kind of like it tied up this thread you're like yeah this is your son like you are you are father and son now in star wars you are like anakin and luke are probably still the number one father son team but mando and grogu coming up strong um and then yeah that like that lovely end Sometimes you just want to see your heroes have like a nice moment to chill. Right. So Mando just chilling in his little house that looked like that prefabricated house that somebody put up in 20 minutes, <laughs> putting his feet up, <laughs> putting his feet up and resting while Grogu was, uh, I also love like Grogu's like, you know, doing the force thing with the frog and you're like, that's really cute. In three seconds, he's going to eat that thing, but it's really cute right now. Um, and then just the little, like, just the little iris out. You're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to have more adventures, but for the moment, these guys have done their job and they've earned a little bit of a rest. I thought it was just, yeah. it was lovely. It, like, like Shannon said, there's not a lot of meat on the bone in this episode story-wise. Like, there's mm. not a bunch of huge reveals or epic moments. Like, basically a lot of the big moments were in the last episode with right, just getting right. to Mandalore and all the big discoveries and there's still Mandalorians there and oh, that's where Moff Gideon's base is. So this was pretty much down the line, action, action, action. And I thought it was really good action, but I also think it was really good character-based action. Like mm. this wasn't just Mando being awesome, even though he was, um, and it wasn't just watching stormtroopers use Mandalorian tech against Mandalorians, even though they were, yeah. but it really solidified Grogu stepping up and him and Mando kind of being partners more than just this baby that he's carrying around. Right, right. Shannon, your thoughts on this uh, storyline and how it works through? I mean, we see we see Mando grow uh, with uh, another with another droid with R five, you know, this and this astromech having this connection. Uh, you know, he goes and we'll, and I want to swing back to Michael eventually on the Carson Teva thing as well. What did you think about his storyline here throughout this uh, particular episode? Him and Grogu getting having Grogu use the Sue Storm, you know, shield. They're using his powers to save Bo and save himself and uh, Din in that situation when that ship explodes. And then um, the Carson Teva stuff and then ending up right on that um, right on that uh, one, a single level home. I mean, you know, uh, Vogel kind of hit all the big points and in a season where they were kind of on the sidelines, like they really did stick the landing with them. And yeah. it wasn't like a, a huge, complicated, complex story. It was very, very simple that uh, Den wants to adopt Grogu. And like that, that that's 
lovely. Um, I think a lot of credit has to go to uh, Latif Crowder and Brendan Wayne this season because my guess is Pedro wasn't in that suit at all. That he didn't step <laughs> he didn't not. step on set once. That he he was kind of just recording his dialogue from Canada while he was shooting The Last of Us. Um, <laughs> but the in terms of the action, what those two guys are able to do in that suit, where you know, it, 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 you can tell that it is bulky, that there is sort of compromised vision. Yeah. Um, the way that they are make the way that they're able to make Mando look like such an effective fighter yeah. is really, really something. Um, and again, a lot, all of the, all of the body acting it's by those two guys and they really did a great, great job. I mean, yeah. just watching how Mando because again, we're used to seeing him with his blaster. We're used to seeing him with his trinkets, the, the way Moff Gideon said it. The fact that he has to go through uh, uh, what blaster shield, but or not blaster shield, but those uh, uh, force fields, yeah. force field by force field, taking <laughs> groups of two out essentially with no weapons um, was great. And there's actually a moment, and I'm curious if this was a performer decision or if this was a Rick Famuyiwa decision hmm. um, when he takes that knife and kind of chucks it at the one trooper, the trooper falls back into whatever that void is. And he, and Mando tries to grab the knife. Yeah. 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 Cause that's his only weapon. And he, he's not able to get there. So again, like such a great, great detail, but also it sort of, uh, it, it really paints a picture for the dire situation that they are in that Mando one-on-one, he's going to beat any of any of these dudes. But the fact that he literally has to go up the ladder yeah. defeating groups of two and they start to get i mean they all have the same weapons but they start to use them a little bit more and more that was just a lot of fun to see and you know it's easy because uh Giancarlo esposito is kind of an older guy mm. um powerful actor but you do see as a character how strong moff gideon is now granted he's in that sort of enhanced armor so maybe that does give him enhanced strength that does kind of give him a couple of pluses um but watching how he is able to defeat mando then he's able to defeat bo katan like you see it it shows us what a powerful character this actually is Mm -hmm. um so that was all fantastic i mean i i mean i did like that they were able to do that ceremony properly um with the living waters you know in the minds of mandalore and the moment with Carson Teva when they get to that bar, and I'm pretty sure that was Dave Filoni in the background. Yes, it his, was. Yeah. <laughs> with, with his hat. Stop wearing the hat, Dave. <laughs> anyway, <yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> okay, outlaw. Okay, I'm outlaw. Really you calm down. It on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was a really great plant. That you've got the you've got the head of this assassin droid, and boom, there's the thing that they've needed, that or rather that they wanted in that in that first episode and it really sets the stage nicely for this is when Favreau said we could do this show indefinitely with the format that they have now set up they probably could I mean it could go back to that um adventure of the week where we're hunting down this imperial remnant we're hunting down that imperial remnant um and I hadn't thought about it with the looney looney tune iris out until you had said it John but the moment that Grogu is essentially playing with his food immediately I think Michigan J frog (laughs) if he were if he were to give us a little ditty right before uh Grogu ingests him that would have been looney tunes brilliance hello my ragtime gal yeah um don't eat me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your thoughts mike on the cars and situation of it all i mean we um 
Uh, Kathleen Kennedy said at Star Wars Celebration that they are essentially, they didn't write out too much of the Rangers of the New Republic storylines, but they had an idea of what they want to do with it. Now rumors are popping up or stories are popping up, but they may, if they do the season four, and certainly Favreau said he's starting to write season four, that they will move those storylines yeah. into season it- four and it'll be that um, there. And was that IG-88's head? Whose head was that? That was there on the in the bar. What do you think? Hey, it was an IG droid. It doesn't okay. matter. Now he's just protecting everybody on Navarro. That's all we need to know. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it does seem, and again, no, none of us will probably ever know, but it does seem like, hey, guys, we're going to take Cara Dune, and we're going to send her on uh, off yeah. with the Rangers of the New Republic, and we're going to have her hunt down Imperials. Oh, guess what? We're not going to do that anymore. But you know what we can do? We can have Mando and Grogu do it, and that's yeah. probably better. So it does seem like that's what it's going to be. And I think it's a good idea because that does allow them to sort of free things up and just do fun Star Wars adventures of the week. Yeah. But since we also know that we're building to what we can all only assume is an heir to the Empire style movie that's coming up, Right. Um, all these Imperial remnants that Mando is going to be going around in a season four with Grogu sort of rounding up, it does help him kind of go, oh, what's going on here? These Imperials seem like they're really more organized than they were. Hmm. And as Ahsoka is leading towards Thrawn in one direction, it does allow him to sort of lead in another direction. So you're starting to see possibly how all these different threads are sort of lining up towards... Um, a very big Filoni movie with Thrawn as the big bad, potentially. Yeah. yeah, hopefully he does not wear the hat in that movie either. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I really like the progression of Din Djarin over the last three seasons, and certainly in this season. I mean, think about it. This is a guy who was a bounty hunter living for himself, got handed this uh, job by Grief Karga to get this uh, baby Yoda type thing. And then the the progression of their relationship and him slowly becoming this kind of dad like figure. Remember, he was trying to pawn it off. He's trying to like not you know get involved in it, and then eventually finds an affection for Grogu, a care for a Grogu. Uh, when they separate is one of the most heartbreaking moments in the Mandalorian, and then coming back together in the Book of Boba Fett is was an exciting thing to see for sure. They're back together again, and then this whole season, the progression of their relationship. Yeah, they had to sit in the back a little bit because they were focused on Bo Katan and the Mandalore situation, but they were always there doing their thing. And then seeing it come to bear in this episode, seeing that father son conversation, like we got to do this. I just want to know you're with me. Let's do this together. The fear of losing his son. I mean, I don't know what Grogu's doing, dancing around laughing as the Praetorian guards are coming after him, but God love him for doing that stuff. And him seeing that how much he really cares for him and the progression he has made as a person about the droid stuff really kind of, you know, I hated these people, but now slowly, but surely I care about them. R5, you're my buddy, as Shannon pointed out. And then getting that memory unit to put on IG, to put in IG 11. So IG 11 can go back to being and take the job of being the marshal there for Grief Karga. So all these things lead to a very positive ending and a growth in the character of Dinjarin that has been fun to see and in their relationship with him and Grogu as well, uh, which I thought was nice. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people had some uh, hearts in their throats who got a little emotional. As he was saying, I would like to be the dad, officially oh, yeah. be the dad, you know, and that's a very sweet moment. And you saw that Grogu reacted to that in a positive thing, because clearly he does understand what the Mandalorian's been saying the whole time. So, yeah, great, great <laughs> stuff, too, for sure. You, yeah. you, you change you ten, you change your emphasis on the goo, Grogu. Oh, Grogu. Grogu. I like to call him Grogu. Hey, it's my buddy, Grogu. <laughs> Grogu. 
<laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into some more storylines from the episode right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. I like that. I like that. Grogu. Grogu. All right, let's go into Bo Katan. Let's deal with this storyline. Certainly, the storyline that had been the predominant storyline, uh, it felt from about the second episode in for this season. And we get everything that comes together here in this episode. We pick up right after the last episode ended. Bo's leading the Mandalorians out of that situation. She's talking to Axe, telling him to go after the fleet, make sure you get in there, send the other Mandalorians back, do what you can do as a decoy on that ship. She's talking with Mando. What's your situation? What are you doing? All right, checking base with him. And so, and then eventually the, she comes together with the other Mandalorians and we see them explore the caves here that the night owls have built. And of course the symbolism there when the captain's like, you know, you got to, create space to let everybody grow to let things grow we can do that on the surface really <laughs> sweet stuff so her opening up to that to, and accepting that and then the battles in the sky the armor and all of them coming down uh, axe you know smashing that ship down into the base leading to the death of moff gideon which we'll get to a little bit later and then and then seeing her being there for the coronation uh, for the coronation of herself seeing the forge being lit again and this is a this is an older, more experienced, um, settled Bo-Katan who is now going to lead the Mandalorians into a new golden age and uh, bring back Mandalore and all of that. So it's really interesting the way it all went down to where you see a completely different version of Bo-Katan now embracing being a leader, uh, being a leader from the woman who was sitting on the throne brooding about the loss of everything in season in episode two all the way to now being in charge of Mandalore and leading Mandalore again with the armor by her side and everybody else there uh, cheering her on. Shannon, what do you think about how everything went down with her in this episode? I mean, Bo-Katan, like this was an all, this was an all action storyline. Mm. So I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. And because we've been on this journey with Bo-Katan that you saw where she started as kind of broken and alone. And we now see her embracing this role as leader i mean it was awesome i mean the the uh mandalorians versus flying stormtroopers braveheart battle like that clash you see the two sides run into each other it's like how do how do we one up this like all right put them all in the air yeah that'll do it <laughs> and like again just some of the visuals as yeah and this is one part that really really made me laugh you see she's got the she's got the dark saber they're flying through the air i believe it's the one uh was it becky lynch is that the is that the wrestler yeah well well here's the image you're talking about that's a pretty badass image for sure well uh, no but yeah. neck but after that the yeah. one mandalorian is dual wheel like takes out her dual oh, wielding oh, blasters that's a, that's a uh, sasha banks yeah sasha banks that's who it is yeah. sorry um yes but you know she takes out her two pistols and then you see the armorer with her welding top that's all she needs man 
I mean, like the hammer makes total sense to me. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's a giant hammer. You could probably crack. You're going to you're going to squash somebody's head with that. But it's the welding <laughs> that just makes me laugh so much. But I quickly stopped laughing as the two sides collide. And you do get a great, great shot of the armor coming in, you know, holding both of her tools and just, you know, cracking down on a flying stormtrooper like that that's the type of thing that like, i think star wars fans just love mm-hmm. and i think what was so much more effective about this sequence rather than the crocodile sequence at the beginning is we have now spent some time with all we mm-hmm. spent a little bit of time with them and so we're really really on their side and not that we were rooting for the crocodile uh but you know we can pick out um, certain certain Mandalorians. So, I mean, I thought that was all awesome. And the moment that, you know, she takes over for Din against Moff Gideon yeah. and she's essentially defeated. And he says, you know, Mandalorians are nothing without their trinkets. And again, flashback to this, you know, woman sitting on a throne, but alone. And when she says Mandalorians are stronger together, like yeah. that's a great, that's a great moment. And again, I, I thought for sure when Axe flew up, I'm like, all right, here comes the betrayal. And he does a kamikaze yeah, with a, an entire light cruiser to take out a base. I mean like, Oh, okay. Now I'm so much more invested in this character. Like from season two, it's like, yeah, I recognize you from agents of shield and you look cool. And you look cool in a Mandalorian outfit. Now I have a sense of who you are. And I'm really curious about when we get to revisit the man, the Mandalorians Mandalore in future seasons of this show. Um, I thought everything with Bo-Katan was handled really, really well. Yeah. Interesting stuff too, Michael. I forgot to mention um, Moff Gideon destroying the dark saber. So kind of destroying this old, um relic or this old way of doing things in a symbolic way clearing the space for a new approach new yeah. leadership that's not required to have this dark saber and be caught in the traditions of the past while still honoring the past with that ritual ceremony in the forge just not needing to be held to that only what did you think of how everything went down with bo in this episode yeah I think it was really great. I think Bo-Katan has had a history, I mean, through the animation and through the beginning of the series of feeling like she needed to be the one to do it. Like she, you know, her, she felt some level of responsibility for her sister who was ruling Mandalore uh, dying. And she felt like she personally needed to do it. And so for her to have this growth of like, I don't have to be the one to cross the finish line by myself. Like I can do this with a group of people, I think is a really good, it's it's a really good arc for her. Um, Yeah. Like Shannon said, most of what happened here is like straightforward action. I do think it's interesting. It's a really great moment when she kind of goes and finds this garden uh, that they've all been growing with the stuff. Because remember like the Mandalorians ruined Mandalore. Like they all fought for so many years and ruined the planet so that they all had to live in domes and everything else was desert. And they thought that nothing else could grow. Then the empire came and just destroyed, glassed the entire planet. So the fact that, uh, you know, as Jeff Goldblum might say, life finds a way. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the fact that not only do we have this sense that the Mandalorians have all come home to Mandalore and have all kind of ushered in this new era where they can work together and not in different clans, but also the sense that Mandalore itself is going to now regrow that like we can actually have a lush jungle planet as it originally was, I think is, is pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Axe Wolf. Oh, go ahead. ahead, Sorry. Axe Wolf flew from a cave (laughs) to a spaceship. (laughs) Like he just didn't stop. 
I was, he just kept going. He's like, nope, still going. I was like, he's, he's going all the way. He literally like took off in the last episode and this episode went all the way up <laughs> and landed in that spaceship. I was like, that, that is a hell of a journey. It is a, it is a hell of a journey. And yeah. And like you said, like runs in, runs in and is like, Bo-Katan needs everybody. Get him to the jump ships. I've got this good to go. Everybody just takes off. I love seeing these Mandalorians like flying to the jump ships, kind of tripping as they land because everyone's yeah. in such a hurry. Like it was a really, really thrilling <laughs> sequence. And I do think one of the things that this episode did really well that like Star Wars is known for and does really well is that they had these sort of battles on multiple fronts. What? He did. Tell me it's, it's not a, true. The man's been flying for a week. <laughs> I got another week. three hours at least about, about I don't know how long this is going to be. He's like, Bo, he's like, Bo, what is it? She's like, it's Monday. You got two more days. He's like, all right, I'm still going. But uh, no, like the, this this whole battle on multiple levels. Like you have you have Din and Grogu dealing with Moff Gideon and the Praetorian Guards. You've got Bo Katan and the Mandalorians kind of flying into this, like Shannon said, this Braveheart style battle in the sky. And then you've got Axe Wolf just on that ship, being like, "All right, here we go, motherfuckers!" And it was it was really really thrilling. Like I was happy to be wrong about anybody like mm. you said john like i was yep. happy to be wrong about anybody betraying anyone because watching all of these mandalorians come together and just kick all the ass was really 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 satisfying um and then Bo kind of stepping in for din with moff gideon i really was like okay well this is and then again like i said earlier in my head i was like this is where she has to be the one to to, to beat moff gideon. Right, right. this is her thing he's the one that beat her last time this is right. her moment it's not din and grogu's moment she needs to do this and then he crushes the dark saber which i agree i think is a good thing in the long run for the mandalorians like they are so tied to that thing and what it means it's probably better for everybody that that thing just goes by the wayside <laughs> and it also to your point it's symbolically in that like that that thing was always the this is the person that leads mandalore this is the person that decides what happens this is the this person that does whatever right. the moment that that breaks and he was like mandalorians are nothing without their trinkets and she says mandalorians are stronger together and grogu and din come in it's like oh yeah this is way better this yeah. is way better than some magic sword that says you're the boss all of us working as a team is the way to go. And I love that working as a team was not just Din and Bo, but it was Din and Bo and Grogu just using the force everywhere he could. Like the three of them together, it was like, like I said, Grogu stepping up into actually like being a little uh, Mandalorian Padawan is really, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm really into it. And then even though he's done the fire move before, this was a way, way bigger fire move. Yeah. And it was a beautiful shot. Like when you look at it, just the way it's all framed up, like all the flames and them down in the corner, like it was just really, really like, damn, I would follow these three into any adventure. Like this is, this is some awesome, awesome stuff. And then just to see Bo there at the end, like, like you said, John, like seeing the forge lit, like it, you do get this sense that this is like the Mandalorians are back. Yeah, like wherever Star Wars goes in the future, and whether it's in Filoni's movie, which I think seeing the Mandalorians is kind of almost a guarantee. Yeah. But even in that Daisy Ridley movie uh, that's going to come out um, about her trying to put the Jedi back together, like I think Dave Filoni has sort of taken the Mandalorians and made them such an inherent part of Star Wars now mm -hmm. that I can't imagine movies going down the line that don't touch on Mandalorians and have Mandalorian characters showing up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's an excellent point for sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed Katie Sackoff's performance in this entire season. You know, it's not easy to step out from behind the mic and and uh, play a character that you've been voicing over. And certainly she's had an incredible amount of experience in Battlestar Galactica, bringing an iconic character to life there as well in a different version. And so seeing her really kind of grab the ball and run in this season has been fantastic. And having her, the moments where she's in the mask, the moments where she's not in the mask, all of the performance here has been great. And the growth, as you said, Michael, that's been great. Because I think when she first wanted to rule, it's from a selfish desire of wanting to be the you know the ego drive to be the person in charge and be a little bit and I'm not I think I don't think I'm wrong in saying this a little bit above everybody else right she felt she was above it was having to go back down it was losing everything it was the shame of losing to Giddy and the shame of having of of say of uh, surrendering in essence and having that blow up in her face and then the night I was leaving her and her sitting on that throne sometimes you have to take the L's and learn from them so that you can come back a better different kind of leader and we saw the way she led the Mandalorians in this battle throughout this entire episode coordinating everything putting everybody in the right place going in at the right time to take on Gideon wanting to go back back and forth understand given the planet of the apes stronger together all of that stuff was really great to see from her so that when she's by the forge and it's lit it has more weight it has more resonance that it is a different Bo-Katan who is now going to lead these unified Mandalorians from different sects here to hopefully be a stronger Mandalore and a Mandalore that flourishes again uh, down the road. So yeah, it'll be real interesting to see. And what role she might play in Ahsoka, maybe just one episode or two episodes, or maybe not at all, who knows, in this. It'll be uh, very interesting to see what the new Mandalore is going to look like under her guidance, but really enjoyed it. And so for the people complaining that, you know, Mando had to take a back seat, I think we got why that happened. And it was a, a very enriching and fun thing to see in this season. Um, let's move on to Moff Gideon. Michael, let's swing back to you. Moff Gideon, you know, he is, he only came in, what, the last three episodes of the season here. Certainly talked about like Godot through the majority of the season, but here he is coming in and certainly the last episode was badass. But now we find out that the reason he wanted the cloning stuff is he is cloning himself. It's not Palpatine. It ain't Snoke up in there. It is absolutely clones of himself. We have the horror moment when the eyes pop wide open when Grogu is looking at the um, at the uh, clone of of Moff Gideon. And then we see, you know, obviously he's tracking this whole situation there uh, with Moff and I'm sorry with uh, with Din and with uh, Grogu. But then when he is out there and he, he's talking to Mando when he leads when he essentially leads them into that trap and he's like you you they were gonna be great these clones of mine they were gonna have the force in essence they were almost like his children so you've got a father versus father battle here like about the fact that he uh, Mando essentially killed his kids uh, and they have the back and forth he fights him kind of beats him fights uh, Bo Katan kind of beats her but then is eventually undone by Bo-Katan's earlier order and direction to Axe to take that ship and uh, essentially be a decoy, but it's Axe who decides to slam it into the base here and jump out, unlike Captain America, and let that whole thing blow up and eventually lead <laughs> to you. the possible death of uh, of Moff Gideon. So your thoughts overall, is he really dead? Was that a clone? What do you think overall about it? And is this the end? Is this the right ending for this kind of villain? I'll tell you now. I just wish Steve Rogers had had a jetpack. <laughs> would have been a really different. <laughs> would have been a really different story. Um, yeah, Moff Gideon. You know, I think that 
like you said, like it seems now, mm. and I mean, I might be wrong, might be reading this wrong, but when it comes to Pershing, he had gotten what he wanted out of Pershing and then wanted right. just Pershing off the board because he didn't want anybody else. Like he's like, I'm, I'm making my force sensitive clones and nobody else can make force sensitive clones. And I'm gonna get rid of Pershing. It seems like what he was, what he was up to, um, to me. Also, a lot of people in Star Wars on this force sensitive clone bandwagon. <laughs> it seems to be somehow somehow and if he and if he does come back, we will inevitably get the somehow Gideon survive. Yeah. <laughs> the dark wall of reasoning. Yeah, yeah. Somehow Gideon survived. The dead um, speak my god but no i thought that um you know so interesting is sort of you wrapped up the whole cloning side of things you yeah. got the creepy clone moment um and i think he's dead like i'm okay. gonna say i think moff gideon is dead because i think we are clearing the deck mm. for grand admiral thrawn that that yeah. is what i think is happening i think that we don't really need a moff gideon anymore he kind of served his purpose he was the bad he was the big bad that we needed for the time that we had him yeah 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 but we're about to go into Ahsoka where we're going to introduce Grand Admiral Thrawn. By the time we get to Amando season four, if he is going around with Grogu sort of rounding up Imperials, uh, that's all going to also, I'm unless Thrawn is a one and done villain in oh. Ahsoka, which I highly doubt. Right. Uh, I think that we just don't really have a need for Moff Gideon. So I don't think that he survived. I don't think that, that was his clone. Yeah, look, maybe we will have a force sensitive Moff Gideon clone running around as well. And that's going to be a thing to deal with. But I kind of feel like that was the end for Moff Gideon. Okay. Yeah. Someone pointed out on Twitter as a joke, but people went crazy about it. He's like, well, Moff Gideon had a mustache. This Moff Gideon didn't. Those clones did. Well, is this really the Moff Gideon or was this a clone? So a lot of questions. So then he said, I said this is a joke and people were responding and going crazy about it. So, uh, Shannon, your thoughts on Gideon here in this episode and was this the right ending for a villain that had been kind of uh, built up throughout the first two and uh, three quarter seasons? I mean, his scenery chewing has only gotten more intense <laughs> the longer this show has gone. And I, and I think Giancarlo uh, Esposito is a wonderful, wonderful actor. And you can tell he's just he's having a blast right now. I mean, he is he's a kid back in 1977 getting to play Star Wars for mm -hmm. real. Um, in, in terms of his end, I, I think taking him off the board permanently is the right decision. Whether or not that is what they did, I don't know. But at the end of every Mandalorian season, Moff Gideon is defeated. Like, he's in the TIE Fighter at the What's end of point? season one. TIE Fighter Rex, we find out he survives. At the end of season two, uh, Luke Skywalker shows up. He still survives. At the end, of, but, but he's defeated. At the end of season three, I think it's time to put Moff Gideon put him up on the shelf because <laughs> like for the show to go on everything has kind of been tied to moff gideon right and so for the show i think if if they want to keep it going like they do have to sort of expand their horizons a little bit and get rid of this bad guy permanently but look i mean again he he, he did a great job and he's a lot of fun to watch mm. um in terms of the way they took him out Personally, and this is, you know, my fanboy headcanon, I wanted to see Thrawn take him out. I mean, I, I would like to have seen him escape. And as he was being sort of uh, uh, disrespectful to the the idea of Thrawn coming at coming back in the episode before, I think having a, a you know, a pair of crisp 
imperial boots with a white uniform show up next to him and be like, it's enough of you and, and, and take him off. Um, but, you know, obviously Filoni has Filoni has his plan yeah. <laughs> that he wants to do with Thrawn. But I mean, the, the fact that the bad, the good guys could never quite defeat him, I think, says a lot about the character and which would make Thrawn a much more already uh, an intimidating presence, well, but make him much more powerful. And even, I mean, even aside from the throne of it all, because last episode we sort of introduced this Imperial Shadow Council, you know, the, yeah. the like, like we said, the Imperial version of the rebellion. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, we already now know that the Empire has these big plans. So, as you know, like last episode, hey, there's a bunch of Imperials that are doing a lot of bad shit. This episode. Hey, how about me and Grogu go around and round up Imperials? You're like, you don't need Moff Gideon. Like, we're good. Mm. We're set. We are. We have got the stories. They're coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought, as you said, Shannon, Esposito did a fantastic job with the role. And yeah, true, the scenario where it needed to be made me even more motivated to go and watch Breaking Bad finally to see how his Gus Frings does in that series because everybody talks about how great he is in that series and, of course, Better Call Saul as well. But yeah, I mean, just a great talent to bring into a situation like this. Like, you know, a few episodes, you're in and you're out, but people talk about you through a majority of the stuff. I feel bad for Elia Kane a little bit. Like, her daddy's gone. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to – is she going to slide into that spot? Does she now kind of move her allegiance over to Thrawn? This will be interesting. Was she a Thrawn plant from the beginning? In fact, when we see a scene with Elia Kane telling Thrawn what happened to um, Moff Gideon down the road and and Thrawn just kind of smirks, knowing it was going to happen anyway because he's so – damn smart about this kind of stuff very interesting but yes i like the way he kind of embraced this character and brought it to life and we had fun with it do i like the way he died in a blaze of uh, essentially blaze of glory not really i wanted something a little more potent maybe some final words other than screaming as he's burnt to a crisp um where he realized he was defeated by both by the mandalorians just to see that kind of dig in a little bit (laughs) i would have liked that but that's my own selfish thing but overall, I thought the way he handled things were great in the back and forth in the fight and the way he kind of pranced around in his armor, I thought was really great as well. And the ego he would have to create clones of himself and the idea of them being force sensitive, which is something really interesting, how that would be. So we know why he wanted Grogu. It was to try to maybe make that happen. So just interesting stuff overall. But, you know, Moff Gideon, I think he's dead as well. As you said, Mike, clearing the deck for sure uh well let's uh, wrap up the the uh, uh the review by hitting one last thing let's talk about the direction here rick fama you are doing a wonderful job shannon directing this episode you essentially if you were able to like put these two episodes together these last two without any break or previously on you've essentially got a movie and it's directed by rick fama you what do you think about his direction here the action sequences the pacing the cinematography here and the overall placing the cameras uh, throughout this episode. I mean, he was great. He was great. I mean, his first season, his first season episodes, I, I liked his, I liked his, his first one, his second, mm. the, the, with the sand crawler, uh, the jailbreak episode. I was, that is probably my least favorite episode of the series. Oh, now, yeah. is that all on him? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> is that all on him? No. I don't even remember <laughs> but, that episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the, the Twi'lek twins in that. Oh. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> but what he did with this kind of two-part finale, as you said, John, this is this is essentially a movie and yeah. has some of the most visually impressive sequences in the entire series. Yeah. Um they I, spent and money. I, they spent money. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, I would be interested to see, you know, I'd be interested to see what, what he does uh, on the, on the feature side of star Wars. Like, is he someone that they would, that they would give a movie to because again, just in turn, like looking at this action, this is to me, this is action that belongs on the biggest screen imaginable. Mm. Um, the moment where they're in the air and Bo ignites the dark saber. I'm like that I, I squealed in my office. Like I would love to have done that in a theater. I would have loved to have shared that experience with a bunch of other star Wars fans. So I think, um, you know, as a director, I think he has uh, only gotten better and, and granted we'll, we'll, we'll put the jail, the jailbreak episode to the side yeah. as, as the, as the outlier. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Famuyiwa did a really, really great job. And because he is an EP as well, yeah. that he's, you know, on on the ground, boots on the ground in terms of the storytelling. Um, yeah, I think he was definitely the guy that they needed for the for the finale. Well, uh, Mike, your thoughts on Famuyiwa's direction? Listen, I don't think that Prison Break episode is as bad as Shannon. Does. I don't think I, I think those uh, I think oh, the Twi'le- I think the Twi'leks are not great, but uh, I think there's some good action in that too. I think he's a great he's a great action director. Like he's got a lot like, you know. And I think that you know every Star Wars director that we've seen kind of has their own like, oh, you're really good at the lore, you're mm. really good at this, you're really good at that humor. But good he kind of has an all around sense. Like in addition to some amazing action, mm-hmm. that whole R five sequence with those little Imperial droids. <laughs> it was funny like r5 like peeking around the corner kind of yeah. being like okay is it okay to come out like and that is the, that's an inherent part of star wars is that when it came out in 77 it didn't take itself so seriously like yeah, other yeah, sci-fi yeah. things did it had this humor to it it had let the wookie win it had these fun moments like c3po and r2d2 and so in the middle of all of this action to have this really great r5 sequence where yeah. he's got to get in there and do the thing like that's such that's such star wars and i think that just all around it was really really well put together so i think he's a great director you know i i do wonder you know and i look am i am i excited that james mangold is directing a star wars movie absolutely am i am am i curious about um can't remember her name at the moment um who's directing the daisy ridley one yeah charmaine obad chinoy yes uh am i excited to see what she does i am but i almost feel like as much as they're giving filoni his shot yeah, they are just like Mandalorian is just Star Wars direction training camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're seeing these people that are just so good at directing, and I think giving them the shot to go to the big screen, um, whether it's Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Bryce Howard, Dallas, like there's, yeah, yeah. there's just there's just so many people that just seem like they're really really good in this universe. So yeah. I hope that they all get their shots to uh, to take it to the big screen. I agree. I'm swing back to you, Mike. Yeah, I think Rick did a wonderful job, and 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 absolutely. I mean, it's a guy that's not getting a lot of stuff in terms of uh, feature films, so why not come and ply your trade here? Certainly, as Shannon mentioned, this was some of the most cinematically beautiful shots in this season, in this episode rather that I've seen all season or any of the seasons of The Mandalorian. It was incredible to watch, and especially those battle sequences. I mean, just the shot of Gideon fighting. Bo-Katan and Din, while the other Mandalorians are fighting the troopers in the sky right behind Gideon, 
was a genius decision to make in terms of the look and appearance and the scope of what you're trying to do. So yeah, just top to bottom, great stuff. And even in the quieter moments, able to really have you feel the emotion going on between the two characters and the, what's going on with their relationship. I, I love that. Um, final words here overall, Mike, your thoughts on the season and maybe a prediction if we're going to get to the season four, what do you think is going to happen? So final thoughts on season three and maybe a prediction for season four. I think season three is definitely the most uneven of the Mandalorian season so far. But as I said earlier, the more that I look at it and the more that I think about those episodes that were in Book of Boba Fett, I mm. kind of feel like it's not their fault. I think that they, I, I really am starting to believe that they had a super, super solid season three. Yes. And then we're forced to take the beginning of their season three and put it somewhere else. And then we're kind of left going, well, what the fuck do we do? So I think, I think that there's probably some reasons that it was mm. uneven, but despite the unevenness of it, I think there was a lot of fun moments this season. I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff. And I think they ended really, really strong. Um, and I think that they've definitely set themselves up for what their season four is going to be. Yeah. And it sounds like the season four is going to be exactly what they like to do, which is we're going to tell individual stories in this bigger Star Wars universe that will all connect into a big and thrilling season finale that then will ultimately connect into this movie that Filoni is going to be doing for them uh, on the big screen. Okay. All right. And uh, um, yeah, all the fans who are complaining about the adventure of the week, then complained about uh, what was going on this season and are now clamoring for the adventure of the week are going to be the same ones complaining when it becomes adventure of the week in season four, I'm sure. Uh, Shannon, your final thoughts on season three and any predictions for season four? I mean, this was, again, this was a transitional season. This is, this is the season they had to make to get to the season that they want to make. Um, and, you know, and they, they made the best out of, they made the best out of the situation, like, and who was responsible for putting that in that situation. Again, we'll never, we'll never know the answer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea that we're potentially going to get a Din IG 11 Grogu reunion episode in season four, really like, uh, Taika Waititi does such a great job with that character yeah. and getting to see them, them go on another adventure together, I think sounds great. I mean, IG 11 showing up as the, uh, as the uh, marshal at the end, it was like, ah, all right. <laughs> it was cute. I don't think I like what's wrong with that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, I think where they, where they got to was great. The journey to get there. It's like, oh. eh, okay. <laughs> but I, I do hope that they get back to that, that fun format. Like I love a good serialized story. This just wasn't the best of what a good serialized story can be. Okay. And I hope that maybe they've, <laughs> for me, learned some lessons about stunt casting. And just because someone loves Star Wars doesn't mean they're being it. Fair enough. Uh, prediction for four? Anything? Any prediction for four? IG-11, uh, Din, and Grogu, okay, man. Okay, okay, that's your prediction. Okay. <laughs> I, think, um, uh, I think Lizzo and Jack Black are coming back. Oh, for God! Shannon, for Shannon. For Shannon. That's probably where Elia Kane went to go hang out with Captain Bombardier. Um, I, 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 I thought the season was a little uneven, but not as uneven as other people, uh, have felt. And I kind of now in retrospect, want to go back and watch the entire season. Now that we've seen the finale, I kind of take a Saturday or Sunday and just kind of watch it all back to back and see if maybe this is a little bit of a better season than we think. Now that we understand where they were going, I enjoyed the Bo-Katan stuff. I didn't mind that Din and Grogu had to push, be pushed back to the back because I already know what I got in Din and Grogu. Let me see what I've got here. As a guy who kind of connects with the Mandalorians and is my 
favorite thing in Star Wars. It's great to have a little more time with them and see more of this warrior culture and see how they can come together. Commentaries about religion, commentaries about cult, commentaries about coming together from different points of views and finding a common goal to fight with. So to fight for, rather. So I appreciated that overall. Um, but yeah, I'll have my nitpicks about it, but not as unenjoyable as some people have uh, pushed it out to be. So uh, that's my overall. And I think, I know this, and I, Laura, I see what this says last night on the Jedi Way review. I know Laura's going to uh, kill me for this, but I think it's going to be Axe and Bo-Katan who end up being the ship here, not Din and Bo. Bo. I don't Laura, think that's going to happen. I, Laura, Laura will Laura will re-glass Mandalore if that happens. So, <laughs> she will. She will. Uh, she will um, every, no, but I was going to say, just to what you said really quick, I do think that with this, this season was so like, all of a sudden we get an episode entirely on Coruscant with Pershing mm. and Elia Kane. And then all of a sudden we're on this planet doing an SVU with droids in a droid bar. And like, mm. there was like certain episodes where you were like, wait, what are we doing? What's the main story? But I do think that you're right. Like this is sort of uh, a friend of mine was just saying this. It's when you have a, sh when you have a world like star Wars, where we're so obsessed with what happens and we have to wait a week for each episode. And we know we only have eight episodes. We've sort of like, Give give it give me everything give me everything but I do think going back and rewatching the season as a whole kind of knowing where we land yeah, yeah. and knowing that we take a few detours I do think it will play better on a binge yeah probably um, all right there we go that's our spoiler review for the season finale of season three of the Mandalorian thank you all so much for joining us chapter twenty four uh, the return here the return of Mandalorian essence so uh, Shannon what do we have to tell our fine folks who are watching or listening to us. Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey. Um, well, look, we uh, had a blast reviewing this season. We hope you had a blast listening to this season. And if you did, here is what you can do to help us continue doing what we do. You can smash that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your comments below. What did you think of this season as a whole? Do you think they stuck the landing? Where do you think they're going in season four? Like, let us know below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and some stars so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or review episode here from the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.